Ooh, spookas wookas. <laughs> Guten Tag. <laughs> uh, bienvenido. <laughs> I should have just stuck with that one. I gave up. Ha I gave up halfway through the first thought of it. <laughs> wow. Salutations. Salutations. Indubitably. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's up, Lillian Buzzle? Ah, uh, not much, Jennifer Ponton. <laughs> That's my legal name. <laughs> <laughs> That's my I'm in trouble name. Oh, Jennifer. Uh, I've just had a, I've had a lovely day. I've had so much of you today in my life recording for our new podcast that's coming out soon called Dreading the Boards. Fuck buddies, we're so excited. We're having such good interviews and like we tell some stories, but really it's a, it's an interview style show starring whomever our guest is for the day. And it's so great. It's so delightful. They're little just, they're snack sized podcasts. They're like a half an hour as opposed to the two of us leading you through ridiculousness and catharsis for minimum 90 minutes at a clip. <laughs> um, <laughs> m- much as you adore us. <laughs> uh, I mean, some people must still adore us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We are grateful for you. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. We love you, mm-hmm. fuck buddies. Mm-hmm. And holy fuck, as I just think about like, oh, we're rapidly approaching the holidays, blah, blah, blah. We're also coming up on two years of this podcast. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Time is a flat circle. God, gross. That means yeah. I'm going to be 43 in January. No, it's no. Fine. No, let's. Uh, it's I fine. Mean, it's let's... fine. <laughs> I told you my whole shtick, like, I have to start prepping. Like, I I usually start in closer to August. But, yeah, I'm like, 43, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's a, that's a good age to be. How? And then I have to, I have to try it on. I have to, like, wiggle into it. How old did you turn when you were like, this number? Oh, fuck. Oh, 25. 25? Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, it wasn't that I felt something. old. It was just like the, it was the first, the, well, at the time you had to be 25 to rent a car. A car, yes. And so that was the only other even possibly milestone milestone that was on my radar. Not that I was driving, but uh, I remember just being like, oh, I'm in the middle of my 20s. The next one is AARP. <laughs> Did you know that you don't have to be a certain age to register for AARP? Oh my God. <laughs> Get those discounts. Get them. Um, <laughs> I, I saw a meme the other day that was like, I'm officially at that point in my 30s where I have no idea how old I am. Oh, OK. Yes. <laughs> I, I do remember getting lost in my 30s. I don't think you're allowed to do that in your 40s. <laughs> no, I feel like you're very much aware. The, the 30s really start to blend probably around 33 or 34. And then you're like, yeah. wait, what? And then I guess the closer you get to 40, the more you are aware of it. Yeah, 33 to 37 was probably kind of a blur for me. <laughs> I still feel like I'm 33, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I mean, I'm 37 right now. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm 37? People take me that seriously? <laughs> That's... <laughs> unfathomable that's a grown-up that's a that's an actual grown-up <laughs> jory said to me the other day they were like uh i was like well you're almost you're almost 36 and jory goes i only turned 35 in january and i was like it's october <laughs> oh my god oh my god uh-huh <laughs> and scene <laughs> yeah it's october like that was maybe the best one mm-hmm. because we're far more cognizant of the months going by but like mm. yeah i i just i'm just shocked that anyone would ever look at me and be like oh 37 that's a grown-up yeah i know i don't even know what grown-up means anymore like None of none of those milestones really have any sort of bearing on how anybody in our um, cohort measures success. So like, right, whatever. right. We you 
you have you and I both I think have also yeah avoid avoided the great swaths of like this thing by this age or else you're a Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's it's interesting that you should say crazy. that because I was having a conversation with my friend Jesse. Um, I uh, I had a, a, a existential dread spiral the other day that was pretty exciting. But I'm glad that I know like I know when it's happening now. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not like a panic attack. Like it's definitely just like what about this and what about this and what about this and what no. why haven't you this and just like blah blah blah. And it's not even even a bad feeling anymore. I can just sit in it. And just and just sort of experience the weirdness swirling around me, but I was trying. To, I was thinking about the fact that like I don't feel unsuccessful because I don't really. Ha- there's no standard for success in burlesque, which has been my primary focus for so long. Like there's no. There are a couple of pageants and like titles and things like that, but there are some people who are you know hugely like visible who don't have anything to do with any of that, and like. I don't I don't necessarily want to be the kind of performer who's um, performing like five or six nights a week. And I certainly don't want to be touring all over the place because I don't like traveling that much. I like traveling for fun, right. but not for work. Um, and Jesse was like, oh, well, the fun part of trying to figure out what your measure of success is means that you also have to figure out what your measure of failure is. And that's not fun to think about. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> No, I don't think that's I don't think that's correct. Mm, I don't think that you have to have your measures of failure to know what your measures of success are. But I think in a in a world where I'm not feeling particularly successful, I think it would be interesting to wade around in that puddle for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think the that I think for- it would make me feel better about where I am. To know what failure would look like, because that's not how I, that's not what's happening to me right now. And it's, I mean, so much of it is because your art, art is entrepreneurial. And entrepreneurship naturally requires intrepidness um, and, and falling down and getting up again and getting up one more time than you fall down. And that's success. I'm tired of all of that. I would like for someone to just... Hire me for 30 hours a week to be fabulous. Where's that job? I mean. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Fair. I mean, I am cranking out 80 hours a week of fabulousness on my own dime. <laughs> so many naps. So many fabulous naps. <laughs> so much crushed velvet. So many feathers. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, it depends on how you, it depends on how you label success. Like, if you made a thing that you're proud of, no matter who saw it or didn't, or no matter how much you're getting paid for it or not, um, I feel like that's success. I remember why we started talking about this. It was um, somebody had paid uh, him a very lovely compliment about me, Um, somebody in the Jersey City area who was just like, oh my gosh, she has done so much for like arts and culture around here and like the community that she's building and all this stuff. And I was like, that makes me feel really good because right now I feel like I have no no measure, no feedback of, mm. of like, or pats on the head. I just need my fucking pats on the head. Well, sure. <laughs> that I not know. Yeah. yeah. Pats on the head uh, would be extraordinarily helpful right now. And while I do not feel like a failure, it's hard for me to be like, I am succeeding at XYZ right now when things are so still like murky. But anyway. So murky, so weird. That um, was nice because that person views me as a success even when I am feeling weird about my shit. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing. So one of our, um, I mean, these things are like eternal. Mm-hmm. Oh, they really are. Yeah. They're eternal. And that's also and the problem with making. <laughs> right. That's also the problem with making art is that to you, the artist, it's not eternal. It's like, oh, I did this thing and I'd better make another thing right quick. But to someone right. else, that's like a formative memory or how they got into a, a, a community or a group or into a certain thing. Like, like we were, Lillian and I were interviewing uh, a friend of mine for Dreading the Boards, a woman named Melissa Center, and I have known her for 
9,000 years from something that she initially crafted as like a prototype web series back in, I don't know, 2008 or nine. And I'm, and it's called Missed Connections. And I mentioned it and she was like, oh my God, it's been, I I feel like that was lifetimes ago. And I was like, Uh you know, it was, but it's something that you remember. And as the artist, you really have no sense of that. But like, right. Right. As the appreciator, you absolutely do. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a time that I am not thrilled by work that someone did, you know, 30 years ago. That's still my favorite thing. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I love that. Anyway. It's really not, it's not a, it's not a um, chronocentric journey which is a good reminder because it's really easy to feel like oh boy I did one special thing and now there's no more (laughs) special things and what is happening whoops oops (laughs) so you know your existential crisis is uh existential crisis is pretty scary and it's Halloween so (laughs) trick or treat bitch Spooky introspection. Spooky catharsis. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I think I've... I got a candy bar. I got a rock. All I got was existential dread. Womp womp. Well, I have hiccups, which I think means you need to scare me so they'll go away. <laughs> oh, booga, 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 Speaking booga. of spooky Halloween. Uh-oh. <laughs> what the fuck what Any did hiccups? i just do i think they're gone i think they were they weren't even like breathed away they were just like what the fuck is she doing <laughs> you know what this party's lame <laughs> later well, bitches yeah yeah they pieced right the fuck out well yay <laughs> can't imagine that i can keep that in there but um, spooky L- folk <laughs> remedies <laughs> folk remedies lillian just showed me the most magnificent way to make your hiccups go away and it's so weird to keep in the file so i don't think i can but it was magnificent and effective so. i cured her i cured her <laughs> don had hiccups for three days one time Fuck what? yeah like he was hiccuping in his sleep three days of hiccups yeah, he hiccuped for three days. Through his sleep? Mm-hmm. I've and he didn't sleep he didn't sleep very well. Like he would wake up maybe every two hours or something. Yeah, it was awful. Oh my god. That's yeah. horrible. But, what happened? Like is uh, that <laughs> I don't know. So uh since it is spooky Halloween, we have more um stories from Jezebel's scary stories. Uh um I don't want to say archive, but their contest that they do every year. It's so good. Um, it is so good. Uh, so this one is called, it's from a, a writer whose username is Sophtown, S-O-P-H-T-O-W-N. In the late 90s, we moved into this waterfront property on an island directly across from Seattle. There was an aging pier at the end of our road, and across from us was a retirement home, which used to be a boarding school. The original dormitory building still stood, now abandoned. I love abandoned buildings. Get me in there! (laughs) And next to that was an empty and super dilapidated bungalow. What the fuck? My my friends and I decided to explore, figuring we were preteen detectives, I guess. Through the shattered windows on the ground floor of the dorms, we could just make out what looked like broken plates and a stage in the distance. I wanted to climb in. I was super into theater. But one of the other girls started getting really agitated. I don't think we should do this, guys. I have a really bad feeling, guys. We couldn't find another way in. All the other doors were locked and the window had a drop down. We had better luck with the bungalow. Finding the door off its hinges. (laughs) Oh, what luck. (laughs) Inside, it looked like there had been a fire or something. The walls were largely studs. Every surface was black and there were massive holes in the floor. Agitated girl did not come in with us, but probably for the best. The whole place had this weird stale and stifling air in it. I don't really know how else to describe it other than thick. Through the windows from the outside, we've been able to see a room that looked relatively new with a shiny clean, with a clean, shiny coat of periwinkle blue paint on the walls. What? Yet walking around in the house, which wasn't big, we simply couldn't figure out where the room was. There were no doors in the wall that could have been shared with that could 
there were no doors in the wall that should have been shared with it. And when we went outside to look again, we realized we couldn't actually see any doors from within the blue room either. That night, everyone slept at my house. Around 2 a.m., I woke up suddenly feeling like I couldn't breathe, like someone was sitting on my chest and like I couldn't move. No, no, no. I was sharing the bed with one of my friends, and the others were on the floor, but then when I managed to turn my body over to the right, I saw a seventh girl sat on my dresser. There were only supposed to be six of us. Oh, no. Oh, no. She had dark hair and was wearing a black dress like a pinafore Uh and was tapping her booted heels against my drawers. God damn. I guess that jerked me awake properly because I was able to sit bolt upright, close my eyes, and shake my head. When I looked again, she was gone. I figured I'd given myself a nightmare. A couple days later, I met up with my friends at the Island Historical Museum to do some more digging. It turned out that the boarding school had been founded in the 1870s as an all-girls finishing school, and the pier at the end of the road used to be one of the main transport links over to the city. My house stood on what used to be the playing fields, and the bungalow was a groundskeeper's house, though unfortunately we couldn't find any blueprints to explain the elusive blue room. What we did find, however, was a pretty terrifying photograph from the 1890s. The black and white school portrait showed two rows of of girls in pretty white dresses sat in front of the dormitory building. A couple of lines of text under the image listed all the names of the students in order, except one. In the front row, there was a girl looking down at her foot, which was being stepped on by the girl next to her. The girl next to her, dark hair, wearing a black dress, and boots. No. And her name, Girl Unknown. What the fuck? (gasps) A ghost within a ghost? After we moved, I started going back to those buildings to smoke weed, but never went in again. (laughs) Once I got a cell phone, I noticed there was no service at the bungalow or the dorms and stopped going completely. Years later, my brother went into the house with some friends, but now refuses to go back either. He swears they heard screaming from inside the walls. (gasps) No! (laughs) But yeah, can you, can you, like, what are the circumstances in which a group picture of all the students at a school gets taken, and then you go back and look at the picture, and you're like, uh, do we have a record for this bitch? No? Mm-mm. Girl unknown. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's a ghost in a ghost in a ghost. <laughs> it's cerebral. Do they re- did I miss it? Did they revisit the, the blue room that had no doors? No. They couldn't find it. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Shit. I love it. By the way, did I tell you I saw Halloween? Yeah, I feel like I talked about this in the last episode. That I saw Halloween for the first time, and I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not no. (laughs) The very first one. Um, The music is great, and I I understand a lot of it, but so much is so schmackty. Where it's like, well, yeah. The doctor's like, well, I've known him since he was such a young pole. Um, uh, I, I, I think I've recommended this before. It's absolutely worth finding. Whether you are not that into horror movies or if you are a horror fanatic like myself. There's a movie that came out a million years ago. Um, 2007. <laughs> maybe. 2006. Oh, six, maybe. Um, it's called Behind the Mask, the Leslie Vernon story. And it's done as though it's a documentary of this, you know, like masked mass murderer a la Freddie Jason Michael Myers, sure. who's trying to set and establish himself in the world of, you know, slightly. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's just the right amount of scare if you don't like scary. And the number of in-jokes that you will experience as a devout horror lover like myself, it's so, so good. It's an indie from uh, that, that was beloved. And in fact, there are talks that they're like doing a sequel um, now. But it, it went... That looks vi- so funny. Oh, it's so funny. It's so good. I watch it all the time not to be confused with michael jackson's behind the mask uh, right whatever that is (laughs) uh that was also like a docu a docu concert Mm. i guess okay um 
Behind the Mask, the Leslie Vernon story, it's definitely, you can find it somehow on Prime. It's so spectacular. Nice. Okay. You ready ready to pee everywhere? Mm Mm-hmm. Great. (laughs) Great. About 11 years ago, myself, my husband, and our one-year-old daughter moved into a house on a quiet cul-de-sac in a great neighborhood. The house had been built in the 70s and had not been updated, so inside... It wasn't overly attractive, but it was spacious with a little nice yard, and it was affordable. Weird things happened there, such as things being found in strange places, noises, etc., and most people who visited would comment that the house felt creepy. Most of the scary stuff, though, involved my oldest daughter. My daughter had never been an overly good sleeper, but once we moved there, she was impossible to get to sleep, never mind sleeping through the night. Our first night in the house, she screamed and cried for hours. It was the start of a trend. Every night, she'd fight sleep as hard as she could. Most nights, she'd wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Eventually, bedtime got slightly less difficult, and I decided the move had probably stressed her out. Six months or so after moving in, I was sitting in the living room while my daughter was taking an afternoon nap in her bedroom upstairs when I heard a huge crashing sound. I immediately became panicked and I ran as fast as I possibly could to get to her room. I opened the door and my daughter's chest of drawers is on the floor face down. The things that had been on top of the dresser are scattered on the floor, except for a decorative candle that my daughter was holding. My voice cracking, my eyes full of tears, I moved to pick up my child. I scoop her up and look her over, making sure she's okay. I try to ask her what happened, But she was a year and a half old. So all Mm. she could say was, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. After this, she started with all kinds of mischievous behavior. Nothing out of the range of normal for toddlers, but I always feel like mentioning this when I talk about the time in this house. She'd break toys, color on walls, rip papers, smear creams all over walls and carpets. She took a hairpin once and dug the end of it into the brand new TV we had just purchased, causing deep gouges in the screen. No. I'm presuming that's like a plasma screen. When she got old enough to speak more fluently, she would always insist these things weren't her fault, that her bad friends did it or made her do it. We brushed off her mention of bad friends at first, figuring she was just being an imaginative child, and we didn't want her to think that we believed her excuses. A few months after she turned two, I had another baby girl. My toddler was not thrilled about this and would avoid her sister often. One day, they were both supposed to be napping in their own rooms when I heard footsteps, so I went to check on them. My toddler had crawled into the baby's crib with an extremely sharp pencil and was holding it as if she meant to thrust it into her baby sister's face. My husband and I could not figure out where or how she could have even gotten such a pencil, especially such a sharp one. We didn't own a pencil sharpener or even pencils. Maybe a week... Oh, no. Oh, no. Maybe a week later... I found my oldest daughter in the hallway with a bottle of toilet bowl cleaner to her lips. I took the bottle, cleaned her hands and face, and then called poison control. When everything settled, I asked her why she was trying to drink that, and she again blamed the bad friends. I also couldn't figure out how she'd gotten her hands on the bottle of the cleaner. The hallway closet I kept it in had five shelves originally, However, one broke, and cleaning supplies were kept on the top shelf. I could have believed she climbed the shelves to get to it, but with the one missing, that would be very unlikely. One day, I was trying to get her to take a bath. She didn't want to, so she ran into my bedroom and closed the door. I didn't hear her lock it, but but I figured she must have, because I could not open the door. It was a flimsy indoor lock that was decades old. Any other time I was locked out of my room, I could open the door just by wiggling the knob a bit. Uh. This time it didn't work. I could hear my daughter laughing on the other side of the door. I asked her to unlock the door, but she just laughed. And then I could hear her jumping on my bed. Uh. 
I took a pen and tried to pick the lock. That didn't work. Tried a few other things to no avail. By this time, my daughter was bored of being in there, I guess, because she she knocked from the inside and said she wanted out. I told her to unlock the door. I could hear her twisting the doorknob, but still it didn't open. At this point, we were both panicking. I tried not to let it show, but it was scary, and my little girl was crying, and she was scared and wanted out. I called a friend from nearby, and she couldn't get it open either, so we called the fire department. They came and opened it with a crowbar. When it was opened, the door had not been locked. We couldn't figure out how it was so stuck. Whoa! One day, my daughter was in her room alone. She was sitting in her closet, coloring circles on the wall and talking to herself. I walked in and took away the crayons and then asked her why she was coloring on the walls when she knows she shouldn't. She again gave me the line about the bad friends. At this point, she's like four years old. She has blamed things on her bad friends for years, so I finally decide to ask her about them. She tells me they are very, very old and they like to do bad things. They live in her closet and have very white skin very long gray white hair and light blue eyes she tells me they are very bad and they don't listen when she tells them to leave her alone it was so crazy to me how she had so much detail and i got chills listening to her describing these things she repeated this unchanging story to my husband and other relatives many times it was always chilling A couple of days before she was going to start preschool, my daughter came out of the bathroom with her hair hacked off on one side of her head. There were some spots that were totally bald and looked shaved. Some of them were an inch or two long. It was this awful splotchy mess. My daughter was crying and wouldn't explain how or why she'd done this. She didn't have access to scissors. My scissors were still in the cupboard above the fridge, and my husband's electric clippers were in a closet in our room. When I went into the bathroom, there was no hair mess. I expected chunks everywhere, but I found none. I also found no scissors, no knife. I figured she must have flushed the hair, but I still found it remarkable that there was no loose hair on the floor. Right, you would at least, no matter how much you try to clean up hair clippings. Ever, ever, ever let alone a Mm four-year-old. The whole time we lived there, my oldest had terrible nightmares. She'd wake up screaming and occasionally get out of bed and walk around screaming. We moved when she was five. (laughs) Baby, baby. Mm. We moved when she was five, and immediately the night screaming stopped. So did most of the mischievous type of behavior. She began sleeping well, and now it's her favorite activity. (laughs) Because she didn't like, get to sleep for the first four years. Yeah, poor baby. God. <laughs> we didn't like to talk too much about how scary it was there. And we didn't even connect all the stories until last year when my huh. kids came home all excited about a haunted house story they heard. I brought up the old house and the bad friends mush. Oh, I brought up the old house and the bad friends. Much to my husband's dismay, he is still incredibly terrified. I wonder if he had experienced more and was holding out on me. My daughter didn't remember any of the time spent in the house, but she wanted to hear all about it. So I told her some quick, very toned down version and decided that I shouldn't terrify them with more. So we left it and moved on. That night, I woke up in a panic at 3 a.m. My mind was screaming at me that fire alarms were going to go off. I got out of bed and checked on my kids. The house was quiet and fine, but I couldn't calm down. In my head, I just kept thinking about fire, and I was certain that the fire alarms were going to sound at any moment. I walked around my whole house several times, even the garage, and everything was fine. I'm pretty sure I stayed up the rest of the early morning because I was that worried and so certain that a fire would break out. Several hours pass, and I'm scrolling Facebook when I come across a comment in my old community's page about a fire. I immediately tense up again. My parents live in that area. Maybe my scary fire thoughts were about them. So I click through the comments to see if anyone mentioned where exactly it was. And then my heart jumps into my throat. My old house was on fire. 
pictures of firefighters on the front lawn as smoke billowed out of the house flooded oh the comment God. section. Oh! <laughs> No, no, burn it Do down. Do not want. Do not want. Oh my fucking god! Oh. For real. For real. <laughs> These always want to make, make me want to smudge my brain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> little sage oil in the ears isn't that a young, li- young living thing? <laughs> I could really use something. My, uh, I'm definitely, I'm a Q-tip user and over the years, multiple, um, uh, doctors have told me to stop doing that because it just, it doesn't really clean the wax out of your ears. It just shoves it deeper in. Oh, hell. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not very good And and my left ear, yeah, I just don't feel like I can hear anything out of it right now. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, okay. You can always do some candling. <laughs> you know, I was always interested in that, but apparently it doesn't work. Come on, what? Bullshit. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it can't it, hurt to try, except it, for if I burn myself. <laughs> in that case, it would hurt very badly. Fuck. <clears throat> uh, okay, so this is a real stuff happened story. Yes, or like not yes, ghosts. Yes. Uh, from someone named Pizza Farts. Uh, this is the story of the second reason I no longer enjoy being in the woods. It was 2020, and I was living in a super rural, tiny town 45 minutes outside a slightly larger rural town. My cabin was off a road that cut through part of a national forest, basically just going from one part of a main highway to another part further south. About a quarter mile from the road, my cabin was on the main... Wait, about a quarter mile from the road my cabin was on... Commas are important. The main road made a sharp left into the woods. But if you went straight, you could see some forest service trails that were there. I'd never been in this forest, and I had been casually warned by a few people not to go by myself, like alone as a woman. You know the drill. I'd also had a bad experience in the woods years ago that I felt a little stupid for still being scared about, but I had not really done any hiking to speak of for years, whereas I used to all the time. Anyway, I had decided to join the military and was told by my recruiter that the best thing I could do was to start rucking, i.e. hiking fast with a pack on. He said, start small and move up from there. So I was like, I need to stop being a baby and just go hiking. So on this particular day off from work in the fall, I threw a gallon of water into a sort of mini backpack thing I had, and I decided I'd also break in some shitty quality new boots. Did not realize they were shitty quality at the time. (laughs) We've all been there. off I go into the woods fighting intense nervousness the entire time like every step I had to tell myself it's fine you're fine you're gonna be fine people use this web of trails to get wood to sell and since it was fall a lot of people were out as soon as they step under the canopy I hear chainsaws in the distance not the most comforting sound but I remind people myself it's just people getting wood I keep walking on a gentle trail and I'm not going too fast because I almost immediately start getting blisters I pushed through, though, and finally started enjoying myself just in time to turn around. Thus far, I have encountered no one. By the time I've turned around, I'm limping because the blisters on my heels are excruciating. I'm regretting the boots. I come down a hill and to... Don't, don't break in boots oh, on God. your first hike. Uh, a wrecking. Mm. <laughs> Listen, it reminds and, and me. Pizza farts. I'm not, I'm not tr- coming at you. I'm not victim blaming here. <laughs> just saying. It reminds me of the unfortunate time that I neglected to wear socks when you and I were going from CurvyCon to go watch It Part 2. And oh. it was so much further away than we thought. And we had yes. to stop at, like, a novelty sock store so that I could get, like, fucking pizza socks and put them on my feet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, bless. Also shoes um, I was breaking in, of course. Mm, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I don't even try with shoes anymore. <laughs> um i come down a hill into a sort of open space under the pines where a web of forest service roads make a big triangle i'm heading south and immediately i see off to my right an old red pickup truck i know in a sickening instance that it has seen in a sickening instant that it has seen me too because it basically slams on its brakes no it was still a couple hundred yards from me but it was headed for the road i was currently walking on 
I put my head down and started booking it to the extent my feet would let me. I've read a lot of stories of people encountering a scary person danger, and I always wondered what it felt like because it had never happened to me. I will tell you that it was like a switch flipped and I suddenly knew in every fiber of my being that I needed to get away from the truck and out of the woods immediately. Fuck. I was trying not to turn around, but I needed to know where the truck was. I dipped behind a bend in the road that put me out of sight and peered from behind a tree. Yep, there he was. Coming down the road I was on, dust flying up behind his truck. I felt my heart explode. So now I'm hobbling as fast as I can, trying to put as much distance as I can Uh, trying to put as much distance between us as I can. I am thankfully close to the end of these trails and the edge of the forest. I just need to get to the main road. I'm trying to convince myself that this guy is maybe also just trying to leave the forest. That's the only place this road we're on goes, so he's either leaving the forest or he's following me. I tell myself I'll find out once if I manage to get out. Oh, my God. My feet, I, I hope that you dropped this gallon of water. Um, my feet are screaming and my heart is beating in my throat. I feel like a wounded animal. I can't always see the truck because of the curves in the road, but I come to a bend and turn around. It is flying down the road towards me. <gasps> no! I start sprinting. After what feels like forever, I make it to the exit, panting, drenched in sweat, feet killing me. I wait in the road by the tree line to see if the truck ever comes out, but it doesn't. After I'm fairly sure he isn't coming, I start walking home. I also don't want this guy to know where I live. The truck never emerges, so he must have turned around. Maybe it doesn't sound like much. Oh, it sounds like plenty. But it was the only time (laughs) in my life I've genuinely felt my life was in danger. I felt like prey. I fucking hate the woods. Oh, God, no. I hate the woods for you. That Stay out of the forest. (laughs) Oh, God. It's so funny. I spent so much time unattended running around the woods. Yes. I mean, I love me the too. forest. Yeah. And like, I remember occasionally, um, you know, after my mom had mentioned that they would like find bottles or stuff in the woods not far from our um, car where like kids had come down our driveway and were drinking basically just like in in the woods but like in our driveway more or less. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course. Fuck. So so like close and and every so often somebody wouldn't be able to drive down my driveway so they would drop me off at the end and I would walk back in the dark by myself. <laughs> and every so often I would spook myself, but like for the most part I lived in the fucking woods, so you just lived in the woods. True. I would have scared the shit out of myself every single day, though. Because I scared myself even even in my own driveway. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Truly. Wow. There was not one night where Gabby and I... So we called this... This is our dead body mountain story. We were just... <laughs> we were joyriding one night, and we were going... We were descending a... Ma- a road on a you know quote-unquote mountain in, in Warren County and we had the lights on but not the brights and we both sort of had a soft focus and as we're going down on this totally empty road we see like a, a branch with something very large hanging from it but like not enough that we saw it coming and really focused on it and could get clear like we saw it in our peripheral vision and then a moment later, she was driving and I was like, Gabby? And she's like, oh my fucking God, did you see that? And I was like, yeah, is that a body? And she was like, I'm pretty sure that was a body. Oh my God. So we thought about going in reverse, but then got really freaked out. So we didn't. Instead, what we did was we hustled to my house and by the time we did the power was out and so we (gasps) show up to my house and there's not even outside lights on and i was like there's no fucking way i'm going home in the dark after dead Uh -uh. body mountain no 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 no. Mm -mm. oh no oh no 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 it's never a mannequin it's never a mannequin Here we go. I really enjoy this one. (laughs) All right. This is from Lenexa Jayhawk. 
As my parents gave me more freedom and independence so they could enjoy themselves as adults, I was often left at home to do homework, talk on the phone, or as I was wont to do, listen to Van Halen. In the spring of 1980, at 13, we lived on the West Bank military base across from the Mississippi River from New Orleans. My parents left me alone with our basset hound, Arrow, and I distinctly remember my father telling me, you and Arrow are in charge. That gave me a strong sense of positive energy, which I'd need that night. I was still a bit unaccustomed to being left alone, but I was sure I could handle it. Fifteen minutes after they've gone, Van Halen was on, I was at the kitchen table, and geometry was spread far and wide on said table. Our duplex was a two-story, and when you opened the front door into the entry, the stairs were directly in front of you. To your right, the kitchen, tonight's command central. To the left, the hall, to the back of my duplex and living room, wait, to the left, the hall to the back of my duplex and living room with an office space directly across from the kitchen where my mother kept her piano. Arrow enjoyed spending his time alone in the back of the duplex on our couch, where he went within five minutes of my parents leaving that night. Van Halen's Fair Warning was playing. Arrow was resting, and I was banging out geometry. Twenty minutes after my parents were gone, I saw Arrow come from the living room, turn the corner to face me in the kitchen, and then slowly turn and look up the stairs. And then his tail began wagging. Good boy. (laughs) Don't ever wag your tail, dumb, dumb dog. (laughs) What was he looking at? I eked out Arrow. Arrow continued staring up the stairs, his tail still lazily wagging. He either didn't hear me over the Van Halen or didn't care. I cared. And then I heard it. Bump. The sound was as clear as the Van Halen. Someone was coming down the stairs. Oh, fuck. I literally froze. I continued staring at Arrow, his tail still wagging, as this unknown intruder took another bumping step down the stairs. But this step a tad faster than the second. I couldn't think, couldn't breathe, couldn't move. This time my voice was much stronger, surprising even myself. Arrow, what is it, boy? Still, his tail wagged. Two more steps. I felt a chill down my spine when I realized two things. There were 14 stairs. I'd counted, as many kids do, mindlessly, almost every time I'd thrown myself up those stairs. (laughs) So there were only eight until the intruder was standing within six feet of me at the table and that I'd just given away to this intruder that I was in the house. My brain went in overdrive, but I still couldn't move. I was literally scared to death. Arrow's tail continued wagging. Two more stairs. Six until they were at the bottom. I then did what every horror movie hero does. Not thinking about it, not after deciding it was the best thing to do, but just doing it as I heard two more steps. I got up and walked to Arrow, where he was still wagging his tail. And I looked up the stairs. As I looked up, the basketball finished its sojourn down the stairs. Oh my god! Coming to rest at my right ankle. Ah. Arrow's tail continued to wag, and I rubbed his head and told him how proud I was of him. (laughs) Wait for it. I didn't own a basketball. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> One of the comments says, my dog started barking from the other room while I was reading this and I almost pissed myself. <laughs> Wow, what a ride. Oh, right? It's so, well, so done. well done. So well done. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my God. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> um, I have a shorty, but I kind of want to share it. It's real cute. Yes. We haven't done um, any short ones, I don't think. 
Yeah, this is from Of Lice and Men. <laughs> nice. Um, I wrote a version of this story last year. Uh, fun new update after a recent visit with my uncle who talks to the dead. I won't rehash everything, but essentially, ghost children are drawn to me. <laughs> Great! Some of, Good. some of my encounters have been creepy, some really sweet, but after it happened a few times, I started to realize that these visitations all had to do with children. They aren't frequent, maybe once every few months, and otherwise I don't have a heightened sensitivity most of the time. Outside of the dead children, I can usually sense when a spirit is around, sad and restless, but otherwise I don't have a ton of contact with anything paranormal. (laughs) Just just the occasional. Um, A few months ago, I saw my uncle. Now, we're Caribbean from a country with a rich history of spiritism and communicating with the dead. My uncle's held a very high-powered job for decades, is a leading thinker and scholar in several fields, and is generally a serious and impressive person whose judgment I trust. He also specializes in helping spirits cross over. He talks about this kind of work with the same confidence and nonchalance that he discusses giving lectures, working with diplomats, etc. When he came to visit recently, we had a pleasant dinner where he talked about his travels and adventures on the job, and he told me some stories about speaking to spirits. We were having dinner with family... And as I hadn't mentioned my encounters with dead children, I decided not to chime in with any of stories of my own. But as he was leaving, I wanted to ask him about it. As he reached in for a hug, I thanked him for sharing his stories. I've had some experiences lately, I started to say. As he hugged me, he whispered, Yes, I know. I see the children all around you. Oh. Then he just drove off and left. No. God. <laughs> Yeah. Short, oh fuck. But definitely got goosebumps. I see them all around oh, you. Yeah, I know. It's fine. Fuck. God. Do you know what I think about sometimes? The the two stories from from years past that I always think about again are the one where the girl has all the white dust in her house and someone's been living in her walls, like drilling holes. And do you remember that one? Oh my god, I forgot that one. That was terrifying. Oh, I think about that all the time. I think about it all the time. Oh god. Um, and, and, and then the, the uh, New Orleans one. Oh, the New Orleans one is good, too. I try other, not to think about that one. Yeah, I try not to think about that one. Um, but no, the one where the guy and the girl are, like, looking in the house, and they and the, it's the creepy house that has oh. all the, do- the dolls, but also Constantly. the porn, and then the hole that has people's driver's license, the hole in the floor where it's just purses and driver's licenses. Fuck. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I think about that one constantly. Doll magazines plus porn. Fuck. God, and a giant well to nowhere. Mm Mm-hmm. So terrifying. This is a pretty good woods one. Oh, no. This is my favorite. Okay. Mm. (laughs) From ages 4 to 14, I lived in an old brick house in a college town in Central Texas where almost everything was new construction. It was in a pretty ritzy part of town, and even there, it stood out with its circa 1925 bronze plaque next to the front door. My parents were professors at the local university, and so were most of the other parents in the neighborhood. From the day we moved there until the day we left to go back to the Midwest, my whole family kind of hated Texas. But the neighborhood was quiet and lovely, and the house was much bigger than we could have afforded most anywhere else. Between the house's foyer and the kitchen, there were two sets of French doors that we typically left open. Between the pairs of doors, there was a closet. Even as a tiny kid, I was terrified of that closet. Like I would purposefully go the long way around from the foyer to the kitchen rather than step past it. I didn't know what was in there, but I knew that it was not good. To the best of my knowledge, the only time I ever opened the closet was when I was eight or nine on a dare from a friend. She and I looked in and saw an old clothes rack, a shelf, a bunch of sawdust on the floor, and what looked like a heavy wooden trap door, presumably leading down to a crawl space. Yikes. This was the part of Texas where the bedrock wouldn't allow basements. We shut it quickly and never looked in there again. From age... Six or seven onward, I felt something watching me when I was in my room alone. 
Not anywhere else in the house, just my room, which was directly over that closet between the French doors. God, of course it was. I know that these are judgments more based on my intuitions than on the nature of what was watching me, but it didn't seem malevolent or benevolent. It just seemed like something that had always been there, like the molding around the doors or the bricked over window in the stairwell. I would feel it staring down the back of my neck whenever I tried to sleep, so I learned to sleep with my head and eyes under the comforter, leaving only the smallest hole for air. A few times, something would happen that was more concrete. A door slammed, a scraping noise came from inside my closet at night. But mostly, it was that feeling that I was never alone, that something was always watching. It was only when I was 10 or 11 that I got legitimately terrified of whatever was in the house. Two things were happening during this time. First, my mom had started to teach afternoon classes, leaving my brothers and me latchkey kids until six or seven at night. Some context for the second, I'm a trans woman. And while I transitioned a while ago and it's no longer a big part of my life, it's important here to mention that I knew who I was as a small child, but I was unable to transition back then because, you know, Central Texas in the 2000s. (laughs) At the same time I started As I started to have the house to myself for long stretches of time, I was going through a puberty I found absolutely horrifying. I love horror stories, but nothing will ever be as viscerally terrifying to me as those years, having to watch my own body get pulled into the wrong shape against my will. Unsurprisingly, that's when I started dressing in my mom's clothes after school. It didn't do a lot to take the edge off the dysphoria, but it helped a little to be able to see myself in the mirror and not cringe. I just put on a dress and like go watch TV for an hour, sprinting back upstairs and changing as soon as I heard her car pull into the driveway. My mom is now a reformed turf and I was and she was not yet reformed at that point. One afternoon, I was in her bedroom getting changed into a truly horrendous looking boxy floral print dress. Her style is not mine. And as I looked in the mirror, heard the door slam shut behind me. In a panic, I turned around, sure that she had walked in on me and I'd be sent to conversion therapy or something. But there was nothing there except that watching presence, sharper and harsher than I'd ever felt it before, staring into my fucking soul. I hid in my mom's bathroom until I felt it leave, then spent the afternoon biking around the Uh, neighborhood so I wouldn't have to be in that house. A year or so after that was when my parents finally started to acknowledge um, hold on okay. A year or so after that was when my parents finally started to acknowledge the ghost. My dad loved to joke around about it. He'd tell stories about waking up to it trapped on the window or spilling glasses of water at 2am characterizing it as essentially a prankster there to annoy us but nothing more my mom though would refuse to say anything if asked about the ghost she once explicitly told me i don't talk about that i always got the sense that she was more scared than i was once when i was 12 tornadoes touched down near town at 1 a.m my dad and brothers were out of town so it was just me and my mom we ran downstairs to hide I pointed out that the only interior room downstairs was the closet between the French doors, but she refused to let us hide in there, instead leading us to the dining room, which had windows on multiple sides. Only years later did I realize how bizarre this was. In the moment, I didn't really want to hide in that closet either, even if a tornado was literally passing through town. The year we moved away... I was talking with one of my brothers about the Texas house when he asked me if I'd ever gotten a weird, unsettled feeling around the closet between the French doors. I said yes, and he kind of bristled. He wouldn't say a word about what he'd seen, but he was as scared as I was. The same year, my dad finally told me where he thought the ghost had come from. They'd bought the house from an elderly woman whose kids wanted to send her to assisted living. She was extremely resentful to have to leave the house and told my parents as much when they met her during the viewing. Oh, God. She died right after that, before we could move in and before her kids could move her elsewhere. Wow. I never found out what was under the trap door. I don't think I want to know. 
And then my favorite comment said, your mom was weighing her options like, uh, tornado or ghost? Tornado or ghost? You know what? Tornado. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Um, Fuck. Spooky Halloween. Spooky Halloween. Oh, wow. Those were good. Real good. Mm. Real good. I feel like we've been pretty gentle with you guys thus far this year. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, I just I just found and I retweeted. I haven't gone back, but somebody. Um, Dear David. Yeah, somebody re, yes. re uh, compiled all the Dear David stories. And that was, girl, that was 2017, apparently. Wow. That was fun. Man, you would make Facebook posts in the middle of the night and I'd look at them and then I'd go down the hole and I was like, oh my God, I'm the only person awake. I need to not read this. I need oh, to not read this right now. So scary. It's so scary. It's, it's so, so good. Scary. Oh, I can't wait to go back and, and take a look and scare the pee out of myself. Yeah, no. Fuck, yeah, no. <laughs> that's, the, that's the pith of it. Yeah, no. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and every so often my um uh one of my friends from high school would post about they would be like, No dare David is up now and I'd be like, Ah Oh my god. So good. Yeah. Have full body chills on the fucking path train. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was alone I was alone with Dolores the cat who doesn't live here anymore. Dolores The Lolo. Oh, I loved her. Funny what a cute little dork. moopy moops. She was so cute and weird. God, she was so cute. Oh my God. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what a cute cat. When you guys were looking for someone to take her, I wished with every cell in my body that I could oh. adopt her. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, Andrew, no. I've only ever wanted one thing and it's this cat. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Little oh, Wildly dum-dums. Um... <laughs> I am uh, not doing a whole lot Halloweeny this year, except for if you're in Jersey City, uh, Google the words "zombie opera." And <gasps> find out what I'm doing on actual Halloween? Shut the fuck up! Uh, my friend Molly Dunn is um, she produced it last year, like as a COVID safe, like outdoor thing, and it was very well received. So they're doing it again, also outdoors. Um, and I am not singing, but I am emceeing, which is great because I can't Lovely. sing opera, opera. Like, I'm not going to. That's for people who know how to do that. You're opera kittening. I am. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like hosting and I'm guessing introducing people and contextualizing and probably asking people to Venmo donations because it's a free show. Yay. That's awesome. Yep. I'm excited. I don't know what I'll do. I mean, I'll probably just eat candy and watch scary movies. That's my shit. Sweet. That's my shit. I don't typically go out, particularly in COVID. Um, children don't come to my house. <laughs> my children have never come to my house. I just like, apparently, and even the kids who live around us, mm-hmm. um, you know, that nobody else lives around us, so that so their parents take them to like, the developments where it's just like door yes. to door to door, all the kids go. I yeah, get it. Yeah. That's what I did as a kid. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you, you like <laughs> fucking some cost fallacy. Yes. <laughs> it's a, but it is a waste of time. It like, is for even sure. If you get like one one full size candy bar <laughs> of like the exact thing that you wanted. Oh my god. Makes more sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't blame them. So we just, we get our favorite kid a bag of Reese's Cups because that's his favorite candy. And we're like, here, happy Halloween. Giant family bag. Oh my God. I know. And their family is like, thanks. (laughs) It's like my favorite meme ever, which is ska music is like the emotional equivalent of a kid getting endless mozzarella sticks at Chuck E. Cheese. That's how Scott feels. Correct. Yep. Right? That's really funny. It's so good. There's, dude, there is something here. I've been, oh my God. I have been eating something called Italian fries. What this? 
It's not potatoes at all. What is? Italian fries. Fuck, I want them tonight. I want them tonight. Uh, Italian fries are a giant pizza. A, a normal size pizza. A normal size pizza. <laughs> Just for the for the <laughs> listeners at home. She's like, she's drawing a pizza that she could like climb into. Like, like fucking, un, I, like skin and marinky dinky dink. Yes. Um, okay, so a not normal that. pizza, a, a normal, normal size pizza. pizza. Sure, I mean, it feels like it's this big. It feels endless. <laughs> I got to. I can't. It is a normal size pizza that is pizza dough, where you would brush on the marinara instead is like fucking garlic butter, mm-hmm. and then it's baked in all the cheese, and then it's. In the pizza oven. And the way that they slice it is like in little, like French toast sticks. So cheese bread. It's cheese. She says not trying to be an asshole. <laughs> I've never eaten cheese bread this good. Oh, I it's mean. It's so fucking good. It's so, yeah. so good. And then you are, the intention is for you to break up the French toast stick, Italian fries, and dip them in delicious marinara. Mm. And... Oh my God, they don't make it gluten-free, but even if they did, I'm not sure that I could bring myself to ruin something so pure <laughs> and good and magical in the universe. That's so funny. I We used to get, we used to order Domino's and ask for a pizza, a cheese pizza, no sauce with the sauce on the side. And every time they would make fun of us and they would be like, so you want cheesy breadsticks? And we would say no. Because you make that differently. Yes. Do please just make the pizza with the sauce on the side. And we would like extra sauce. And every time they would be like, okay, kids. But we got what we wanted. And it was amazing. I love that. But there was not the extra layer of like garlicky goodness. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's absolutely. It's it's garlicky. It's also, delicious. Also, it was Domino's. So. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but you know what? I do love that you can hyper customize Domino's. Anytime I get Domino's, mm. I get extra sauce extra extra cheese and extra pineapples and i realize that that is something that y'all are going to feel very polarized about and i just want to say i'm sorry if i've offended you <laughs> the only person i've ever seen order extra sauce on a pizza was also the only person i knew at the time who had a lip ring and watching this lovely person eat pizza it was like a b horror movie oh, no. like there was just sauce fucking everywhere Nobody ever puts on enough sauce. That's my that's that's my approach to the world. No pizza has enough sauce on it. All right. But especially not Domino's. They're like they like use a fucking watercolor brush and they're like that good. And I'm like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and you get it. And like anywhere the cheese isn't actually covering it, it's just turned into a crusty paste. Yeah, oh, I know what you mean. It's so unnecessary. That's an act of violence. <laughs> <laughs> kids taking a stand truly oh my god yeah so italian fries holy shit why did i start talking about that mm, i don't know but now i'm really hungry <laughs> so hungry. well listen fuck buddies I would just be pithy, but I do sort of have to tell you guys that Dreading the Boards is coming very, very soon, and it is currently anywhere that you listen. So, oh, can we subscribe now? Yes, for the trailer up so we can subscribe. Awesome. Uh huh, uh huh. So it, the trailer go has been released. Right please, please, please find Dreading the Boards and subscribe. Uh, and that way you'll automatically get the first couple of episodes just like delivered right onto your device. Yeah, we're going to drop like two or three at a clip to begin and then it'll be weekly. But you'll be able to binge a bit um, uh, when we drop them. So it's coming imminently. Oh, here's some exciting news. I just oh. typed I went to I went to my podcast app on my computer. I just typed in dreading and it said dreading the boards. Do you want this? So that's great. Good. That's awesome. Um, also, not for nothing, fuck buddies. We would absolutely love if you'd rate and review. We presume if you're listening that you are subscribed. But if you'd rate and review, especially in Apple, um, you know, we... It helps people find us. It helps people find us because anyone who finds us usually digs it thoroughly but it's kind of hard to find us and so um it would be such a gift to us if you just rate and review even if all you say is pizza good love friends like 
amazing, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and then, of course, if you do the same for joining the boards, um, we'd be so appreciative. And we're always looking for people, people to interview, as well as people to send us um, audio clips for minisodes so that we can, like, make a nice set uh mm-hmm. nice set tuts so we can make a a nice set of um you know cringe worthy stories from the theater yes but we are very excited to share that with you so please 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 go seek it out now wherever you listen yeah. to us and it's it looks like it's called following now instead of subscribe Great. following Follow yeah, so whatever. whatever. God. But just in case people are looking technology. for the word subscribe, because that would be me, where I'd be like, I trying, but can't find. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. I suppose on my Mac, that is also true. Yeah, follow, listen. <laughs> you all know how to do this. And yeah, you apparently. You must know enough to listen you. every week. <laughs> so if you can do that thing for dreading the boards, <laughs> just that one. <laughs> And then just give yourself a good old-fashioned selfie high five. Yeah. And go order yourself a pizza with the sauce on the side. Fuck yeah. Fuck. I'm so hungry. We've been on the phone for a long time. Yeah. Bye, fuck buddies. Bye, fuck buddies. We love you. Happy Halloween. Ooh. Ooh. Catharsis. <laughs>